Welcome to the Fight for Brilliance podcast. I'm Justin Keller, your host. This is the special segment called Not Therapy with My Therapist. Today I sit down with Jessica and we discuss the topic of navigating heartbreak. Now, although heartbreak is often associated with relationships, it's not privy to just that. Heartbreak can occur anytime that we're disappointed in a situation that doesn't work out as we had hoped. And we find ourselves having to figure out how to move on. Do you just get over it? Or how do you move on and through the disappointment in life? And so although a lot of this is connected to things that are appropriate for relationships, it's also something that I think will apply to every area of our lives and those moments of unexpected things that happen that send us down a path that we didn't plan for or we weren't hoping for. Now what? And how do we get over what we hoped would have happened. So we're going to talk about that. And then we tackle a really tough question that came in from a listener about how to navigate a breakup with a narcissist. It's a tough topic to tackle, but we get into that and give it our best shot here on this episode. I hope you enjoy. Welcome to this episode of Not Therapy with My Therapist here on the Fight for Brilliance podcast with Justin Keller. saw something and I wanted to, I sent it to you already and I wanted to dialogue with you on okay. this. Okay. So there's a therapist online mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. has a pretty big following. Yeah. <laughs> Names will not be disclosed. And he made a statement and you know what? Let me read the whole thing to you real quick here. So the, the statement, the first image on the carousel graphic said, you are not getting over anyone. Okay. Period. Period. Mm-hmm. So if you want to stop right there. That's a good spot to stop, right? You're not getting over anyone. Okay. The next, I'm going to read this because it gives us the context. Healing isn't about getting over anyone. I absolutely loathe that term. I know how you feel about him loathing that term or her, whoever it is. it's dismissive of the love that was built. Yes, I understand many of us have been in toxic relationships, but hurting people isn't the intention. We all go into things with open palms and trusting hearts. We all hope and dream and love to the best of our ability with wherever we are in our lives. And when we are constantly telling ourselves that we need to get over someone, we are erasing, ripping out and white knuckling. We are minimizing, rushing, dehumanizing ourselves and the person that we shared a life with. You are not getting over anyone. You are learning and growing, reestablishing a relationship with self. You're sitting with pain, maybe for the first time in your life, and through that softening and accepting and learning how to forgive. Your heart is not broken because hearts don't break. They stretch. To love harder and deeper. You are not getting over anyone you are becoming. All right. So I have my own thoughts on that. Uh, when I saw that right away, there's a part of me that right away just was like, wait, why wouldn't you want to get over mm-hmm. somebody? Mm-hmm. So I'm curious. He said, healing is not about getting over anyone. Mm-hmm. What is your take on that statement that you are not getting over anyone? Healing is not about getting over anyone. 
Where to kind of funnel my thoughts at this moment. Um, <laughs> so I think what's worth noting is the carousel. So the the first image is of the statement, you were not getting over anyone, yeah. period, right? Yeah. And so I, I do think that maybe it's strategic to put it in this like definitive statement mm-hmm. And then to unlock that, to open it up, and and to um, kind of explore more of this concept that this therapist is talking about, and at the same time, well, I can, I can, I don't, want, I don't want to say agree or it's right or anything like that. It's not that. It's just that my interpretation of the way in which it's said is that it's very much a strong opinion. And that's subjective. Yeah. That's just subjective. So someone might read that and be like, that's what I needed. That's kind of what I needed to hear. I kind of needed, I needed that to relate or something. Well, I wonder if it feels, it helps somebody feel like um, it gives them permission to kind of still linger in what was. I think that's a good, that's actually a really good point that you made. That it's maybe a reason to hold on to and to not, not want to move on. Um, but I don't know. So if go back to getting over, I, I guess I, I don't see it as we get over. I do see it as we expand and that life gets more meaning can always be added more, um, experiences and, um, and, and it also brings up a grief component to me. So a breakup mm-hmm. is, is a loss. It's a, it's a grief and it can be a pretty, um, it can feel insurmountable too, right? Because, what we are trained to do as, or what we know to do as humans is to cast out into the future and have these checkpoints in our mind. And we can create attachments with that fantasy, with that, what we've imagined, that dream or what we've imagined out ahead of us, right? And so- You mean like that relationship, mm -hmm. you you can start to cast sort of this ideal of what Mm -hmm. this is going to be and should be that fantasy of that. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it could be anything from, you know, a couple of dates in and going, is this someone I can see myself with? Then there could be that kind of magical thinking and attachment that maybe this is the person who's going to finally make my life what I've imagined, what I've wanted to be, what it should be. Right. Um, So, or I mean, part of what I experienced in my twenties was not recognizing that I didn't feel like I had a home. So my parents divorced when I was young, uh, about 14. And then um, going to college and all of that, like there was just turmoil. There wasn't really a lot of stability. Mm. And then through dating, I thought, oh, well, this is where I'll get that. This is where I'll, you know, finally feel like I can create a sense of home. And not one person can can claim that in Mm. anybody's life. Right. Yeah. Not one person could be that home to me. And that was too much to even ask for. Right. That's something I needed to find within myself, within Mm. my relationship um, with God or spirituality. Right. In order to kind of feel grounded and settled that it wasn't actually the person who was going to give me that. You know, it's interesting. So because he said like the idea that maybe to parallel with with what you're saying Mm -hmm. is that. Maybe you're sitting in that pain for the first time, mm-hmm. you know, feeling that. I would feel like the idea of this is just me, at least from relationships, would be that 
the only way for me to fully feel that pain, which is 100% necessary. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think it's just the, I've always said something like face your monsters, face your demons, the mm-hmm. quicker you do it, the quicker you can get to the other side of whatever you're going through. Sure. It's a necessary part of the, the process. Mm-hmm. It's like jumping in that cold water right. when you don't want to do the swim, like yeah. when I did triathlons. Right. And so I would wonder like the idea of telling people kind of like linger in the past still mm-hmm. in this relationship, you know, you hold, you hold on to those good things you had mm-hmm. in a way that the way he said is saying it makes it feel more like a, attachment still created Hmm. to at least for me when i perceive that it's hold on it's okay to even move into your next relationship remembering Hmm. how great that one was not that you have to talk bad about them sure but not even totally separating yourself and removing yourself from that i just don't know can you really remove yourself from it well that's i mean that's a good point too i mean you can't remove memory unless you have some pretty strong substance or head trauma, <laughs> unfortunately, but right. You can't remove yourself yeah. from the memory. So I, I appreciate the sentiment and let's, let's take a look at what it really is because maybe the way that, you know, um, the whole getting over, just get over it also can be a, I don't know, something that's said, I don't know if you ever grew up, if you heard, if you heard that getting growing up, I heard it. Oh, yeah, up. like absolutely. just get over it, you know, yeah. or just let it go. I find myself saying that to my son in particular, um, just let it go. And then I'm like, wait, but what does that even mean? What does that, how do you really let go? And I think that what we were going to also, I think, jump into as well was this, you know, Japanese philosophy of wabi-sabi. And, um, and, and in that, what it means is this imperfect, incomplete, experience of life, right? So it's it's this acceptance that life is imperfect. And so in order to get to accepting imperfection, what needs to be available? Yeah. That's kind of the question I think about. Like what needs to be available to someone to say, you know, by by, um, accepting where I am in this relationship and what has all occurred or allowing myself to grieve it and not fully kind of like cut it off yeah. Right. Then what do I need to know so that I feel safe doing that? Because I think that's kind of what the mind protects you from. Right. It, it's, it's protecting you from maybe feeling like you're going to get lost in the pain. Mm. Right. And that's a feeling of getting lost in the pain. And some, some feelings and emotions are so overwhelming that it can absolutely create that physical sensation. It does that, I mean, you're drowning or we call it flooding, right? You've lost control of your logical mind, your logical sense, yeah. you know? And so I think that when you, when you, when we talk about attachment, we talk about breakup, I don't know. It just feels like this deep well that we could talk about to really, I don't know, without forgetting a big piece of it. Yeah. And it's, not, it, it's almost like, does it do it justice? Right. Without. Yeah. That's other, how like, my mind constantly is thinking is overcomplicating. So just in, to keep it simple, I think it's his experience that has influenced or inspired his post. Yeah. <laughs> and for some that might, the language might land and it might make sense in a way that um, allows them to move through with move through their pain with maybe more understanding of themselves or lean more towards acceptance yeah. 
an allowance of what's occurred. Um, mm. And at the same time, I feel like this the strong words of like loathing how people express themselves without recognizing what is that expression really, I don't know, like found, like what's, what's, what's influencing and inspiring their expression. Yeah. I don't know. When you frame it that way, it does change the way I would read it now. Hmm. First reading it to me is permission to sort of linger in the past Mm -hmm. in an unhealthy manner. Right. Mm. And so to me, you know, even when I talk about my son's mom, mm-hmm. I don't have negative things to say mm-hmm. about her. Um, I've had to move on mm-hmm. from that relationship. I've even had to move on from some of the feelings and, sure. and, and experiences and even some of the memories. Mm-hmm. To some degree. Sure. You know, there are things that don't serve my present or my future. Mm-hmm. And if anything, they rob me from my future to some degree. But if you look at it through the lens of this permission to um, maybe be struggling with the decision, because mm-hmm. I think that's part of what could be driving that too, would be the back and forth that can happen on, did I make the right decision? Absolutely. And right. everyone's just telling me to move on, but I'm still trying to sit in this and feel this and decide what's mm-hmm. right for my life. And so through that lens, there's just so many other ways to say that. He did say something else too. And by the way, we will get into the Wabi Sabi. Mm-hmm. Um, before we do, well, first of all, it, it's funny because they're two different concepts, mm-hmm. Wabi and Sabi, mm-hmm. which we're going to talk about. But the together it's accept what is stay in the present moment and appreciate the simple transient stages of life mm-hmm. and so i think you know you what you said makes sense because to me that mm-hmm. would when i mentioned that takes you out of the present sure is what if you let yourself feel like i don't know like for me to let go of some of the experiences and 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 the meaning of those memories that I have from past relationships, mm-hmm. I don't feel like it does a disservice to or dishonors the time we had together because that was the present. Sure. Yeah, sure. You know? I get that. Yeah, right. And I think it could just be the language that's, again, the interpretation of the language that's being used, right? That yeah. that, that getting over means that you're completely cutting off from. Now, I, I mean, I know that, if I feel hurt, it, I will absolutely cut off. I yeah. will. Like, that's just like a defense mechanism I have. I just cut off, right? Like, um, and so, even but if that's just, a, even but that's temporary. Or it could be temporary. Yeah. And then I, I need to internally really like, you know, work through to get to some acceptance and understanding or meaning making, right? Like yeah. really discover like, what is this overwhelming feeling I'm having? So I think that, maybe lingering in it, maybe what he's saying is that, that that's the only way or that's the only way you talk about it. Maybe he's, maybe his call to action is, Hey, let me say this, like, you know, um, very opinionated statement. And then let me kind of unlock it in a way that gives it more context. I just want the context really. Yeah. And that's part of the problem, right? On those quick statements is like, yeah, 
people read, right? Double tap and then don't get into the context of it, or we don't have enough sure. time inside of a post to do that. But the way someone moves through the process of, and you know, we talk about like harmony, disharmony, repair. Mm-hmm. Terry Real has that um, uh, kind of cyclical nature of all relationships, right? And and so if you think about it that way, like there was harmony, and then there's this disharmony, and then the repair with a broken relationship is with the individuals apart from each apart other. from each other and maybe there is some that's kind of energetically i don't know shared most i mean i and I, I think that's possible yeah. um but but that in and of itself that repair process is going to look in my opinion like harmony disharmony repair even within itself mm. right so so the way someone moves through isn't how they're going to end up either expand that well it's it's you're moving through i think you're moving you're moving through whether you say you're moving on whether you say you're cutting off or you're letting go that's still movement and Mm -hmm. so in what what direction that takes somebody and if 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 that path leads them to some other self-discovery that then unlocks something that then gets them in another path or whatever of health and well-being then so be it so be it Right. So I just think that that he has a particular audience. And so maybe that the language that's used within that is just a part of how that's fair. I don't know. Before we move on, uh, because there was one more statement. He said, hearts don't break, hearts bend. I I don't have that in front of me, but it was of that nature. Hearts expand. Yeah. Hearts don't break. They expand. Yeah. I think I wonder if he's also saying, too, that is that it's not black or white. It's not broken or unbroken. Like it's not one or the other. Mm. So in that sense, I like the concept of we expand or we also contract, right? So when we're in pain, when we're in like negative thinking or anticipating a problem, yeah, you actually lose peripheral vision, which is really fascinating. You get your your occipital, your eyes zero in and they narrow in on a target, which mm. is likely safety, right? Or what's what's the next best thing so that I stay safe, right? So mm. if you're in the feeling of pain and then the interpretation of maybe what's wrong with you or how you weren't worthy of that or what did you do wrong, then there is this zeroing in on rejection, on mm. abandonment, on... Um, maybe loneliness or hurt, right? Yeah. And so I, I, I mean, that's just kind of what it makes me think of that it, then if we can go, but also what else is possible or also like what else did I experience with the, within this relationship? It wasn't just all bad hmm. or um, all chaos or what happens too is after a breakup and after some time and space, then it's also common to go, all the good times and just kind of zero in on the good, yeah. right? As a way to maybe um, preserve those memories, preserve yourself. When you talk about kind of always living in what was good, mm-hmm. okay? I wonder to like in that statement of hearts don't break, they expand. I, I could also see there being um, like an undertone of the point is to be careful that your heart doesn't harden hmm. even. That's a good point. Because like, if you look at, um, I don't know, like tungsten versus gold, 
right? Mm-hmm. Tungsten being a much harder metal mm-hmm. because it's harder, it can break. Mm-hmm. Gold being a softer metal, sure. you know. It's more flexible. It's softer, so it's mm-hmm. more flexible. And so I could see there being the benefit of, when you put it, all these pieces together, which mm-hmm. I'm sure he would do eloquently if he was given the same chance sure. together right here. But um, when you put all those to, all these thoughts together, I feel like that statement kind of can go back to the idea of you don't have to just move on. Mm-hmm. It's okay to feel the pain you feel right now and to mm-hmm. miss what you miss. and um, But also... Like just by, if you just try to move on so quickly, moving on doesn't have to be done with hate. It doesn't have to be done with, mm-hmm. um, dishonor or, uh, sure. you know, just, you know, kind of discounting what was good because what was learned, what was sure. given to you through that in those experiences, um, they'll play a role in who you are. So I don't know. That's just kind of mm-hmm. where my mind went a little bit on the, it's like, oh, heartbreak, is that real? Or is it more of the idea of like, heartbreak is probably more real if you can't see it through a lens of an understanding and appreciation, you mm-hmm. know? Sure. And I think too, if we're not acknowledging the loss as yes. well, you know, because I mean, that's, we're also like, did you give, did you give that relationship your all? Like, did you really open yourself up to, being loved, loving, and and the unknown, but also, again, in that like forecasting to go, is this something I want to stay in? We can start to have these, you know, visions or these like mental pictures or like, you know, whatever it is. I can see myself walking down the aisle. I can see myself like, you know, um, 10 years from now or, you know, 20 years from now and we're traveling or whatever it is right and so i think that what happens is we're not as aware of Mm. how far down the road we go and that's whenever at least in my opinion that heartbreak can be even more devastating i have attached myself to this life to Mm. this person to this um place or this lifestyle i imagine having and then what does that mean if it doesn't happen Right, it can really, really disrupt identity, or um, you know, a sense of control or personal value in the world. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's heartbreak is something that I think is also, I think it talks to about the physical pain that accompanies hmm. emotional devastation. <laughs> it's physical. You know, like there is a physical component, right? There's all this research too about, you know, how the body keeps the score, right? How it, how it, um, uh, emotions or memory are stored in cells of the body, right? Mm. And, um, and so even that, so that's what that also makes me think of too. There's also a lot of research about the heart and the heart is actually has more, I could be wrong here, but I think it has more neuro pathways going from the heart to the brain than the brain to the heart. Mm. So when we say that we're leading with our heart, it actually is kind of a true statement that are you leading with an open heart? Are you open and available is, um, actually allows the mind to open and expand as well. Mm. And, and I think what can be tricky there is, is this idea of vulnerability. So if I like let myself attach, or if I let somebody attach to me, then I'm opening myself up to all this pain. But in the same way, you're also opening up yourself to all this 
opportunity, this possibility, this love, this for however long it lasts. Yeah. And we don't, we're not ever guaranteed anything. So you're not even guaranteed the next day, even if the relationship stays together, right? So I think there's this mm. misconception of, you know, I need to be right. I need to know before I actually allow myself to go and give my heart to somebody. But I think that that in and of itself sets us up to not fully experience or allow or be in a relationship in a way that we really can receive what it is that we want. The idea of um, certainty? Like certainty, having... yeah. Like I need to be certain. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'll be honest. I'm not in the online dating world. I'm just not. <laughs> My husband would be happy to know that. Um, <laughs> I was uh, say. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm not. And so I don't know what that is personally like. And I know too, or I, I can imagine that having all these, all this information about somebody, <laughs> even being able to go and find them wherever online, you know, um, already sets up these, whether it is an expectation or an assumption or some sort of understanding, some checkpoint, right, to go, okay, this person seems like they check some of these boxes. So, okay, I'm maybe it's worthwhile or maybe it's worth my time. The, like, departure of a relationship from our life mm-hmm. is hard. It's hard. I mean, even what's weird, right, to think about is mm-hmm. people have trouble oftentimes leaving very toxic relationships. Sure. Yet those seem to be the one that on paper are black and white. You just mm-hmm. said things aren't black and white, but on paper that you, from the outside looking in, mm-hmm. that's black and white. Mm-hmm. They're treating you like shit. That's unhealthy. Hmm. Even abuse, which is sad, but people stay in those relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and I don't, um, I, I gave you the book Awareness, right, by mm-hmm. um, Anthony DeMello. Yeah. And he said, we don't fear the unknown. You can't fear what you don't know. Mm-hmm. What we fear is what we're going to lose. Yeah, or what we've known. Yeah, and what, we, what we've known, what we'll lose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And... I think that's what keeps us off sure. in that mentality of we're not really afraid of the uncertainty because you don't know what you don't mm-hmm. haven't ever ever met or seen yeah. right. But yeah. it's the it's the letting go, and that's why that you know that statement of you know you don't move on right. Mm-hmm. It just made me think about that. Um, it isn't you know when you when you're moving on, it's it's not that you're most of us aren't even moving on from the stuff we didn't like. I feel like. Mm-hmm. we're moving on from like what we didn't get mm. that we thought we were getting, mm. you know, for someone that's, let's say been single later into life and mm-hmm. never had kids. And there was someone who wants to have kids with them. That relationship ends all of a sudden they're fearful of crap. I thought I was going to get mm-hmm. what was, you know, on my heart, the desire in my sure. life to have. So, yeah, sure. It, it's, um, it, in that, in those moments, I call it moments. Um, they feel like, I don't know, they're never ending. But it's in those moments that it's hard to see there could be another way because our attachment lies in the way that it has been, mm-hmm. right? And so it that's a hard process. And I don't think, I don't think it being hard, really. I don't know, like we need to really make too much of it. It's just hard, and I think that's what we have a hard time doing is just allowing what is to be without attaching that it's going to continue in that same way or in a way that's not Mm. going to 
move us into like fulfillment in our own life, right? As I think about it, when you're talking, it's it is it's that that uh, letting go without having to know why, having to have it's that I humbly accept. I humbly accept, with and an that's open a, heart. to me that's a moment to moment. Yeah exercise and it's an exercise it's it's a movement like it's not going to you don't just say it once and and do it once and then you're done i mean if that's the case then you're either suppressing (laughs) repressing or you weren't really that attached in the first place you weren't really allowing yourself to be kind of say it all in Mm. or available to it you know well i'm glad we unpacked that a little bit i didn't i you know i didn't know where that would maybe take us i I feel like um, you know, for, for me, it's, it hits home just thinking about when you don't get what you thought mm-hmm. in life, you know, whether it's from divorce or, um, when, you know, children are born mm-hmm. and if, if something's off that sure. from a developmental standpoint, sure. you know, it's not any different. It's loss is a loss mm-hmm. and there's that grieving process. And so I think the, for me, you said just kind of letting it be. I don't know that I, I couldn't, if someone asked me, how do you do that? Mm-hmm. I don't have good answers for that. It's like, it, yeah. it is a, yeah. it's a daily thing. It's, it's a daily tomorrow thing. Tomorrow I might hold on to it it's again. It's experimental <laughs> in my opinion. So you're experimenting with what's work, what works now. Yeah. And sometimes it's going to be like a beautiful day outside and, and, you know, going outside and getting some sunshine, going on a walk, going on a run, doing something physical, maybe the thing in that moment. And then sometimes it may be sleeping. Yeah. I don't know. Sometimes it may be um, some other type of distraction or, you know, maybe there's a practice, meditation, mindfulness, connection with others that gets you to that place. Lighting a candle, just like watching a mm. flame, you know, drinking a beverage. Like, so it, to me, I think that's the letting go. It has this like, like it's an action, like it's just something that you do and then there's nothing after that, right? But there's really, to me, letting go is an entire process hmm. of what are you letting go of and what is that like and what does that mean? And what do they say that the present moment is the only time that um, depression or anxiety, you know, fear are not, they're not there in the hmm. present moment most of the time. Yeah, it's impossible to to worry and be in the present. Exactly, yeah. yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you're, you're either in the past rehashing something or you're in the future forecasting something. Yeah. Right. And so that letting go to me is a process of just being very present. Do you think that it's, um, as you're describing that, I'm thinking, I don't know if part of the process that is this, but letting go, is there maybe something for moments of where it's good to fill it with something else? I mean, it could be. That's part of the process. It could be. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's where some non-attachment and some, I'm not, I don't want to judge the way in the, in which people do things. Cause we're not, we're not a hundred percent aware of why we're doing things all the time. I would love to believe that, but we're not right. And so if you can, if you can allow that to be true, then it can be like, oh, okay. I caught myself and I was maybe distracting with something that's not good for me. Yeah. Okay. So now, I don't know how. How now can I make a better decision or choice for myself, knowing what I know now? I mean, I think that's just life, right? 
Yeah. And to me, that's a compassionate stance towards self. Mm. Without that, I mean, it's it's a, it's a rough path a forward. Com- a compassionate stance towards self. Yeah. 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 That's hard. It's hard. Mm. It's hard, but it it is the most important. Yeah. And sometimes it's it it begs the question: What? Where else have you received that? And can you? embody the feeling of receiving it then can you know what it's like to maybe give it to yourself Mm. right yeah that's a whole uh episode in itself to you okay let's close it out with a question which is not an easy question so um (laughs) i think every question i sent to you Mm. like i don't know if we should answer any of these but i do want to ask it and then uh, give us some grace to navigate this knowing mm-hmm. we can always come back to the topic yes. in another episode. These are ongoing conversations. Yeah, well, this won't be the last <laughs> time we talk about this, I'm sure, yeah. especially this topic. And I have some some thoughts on it um, probably for another episode. But okay, the question is, how do I break up, get out of relationship with a narcissist? So I'm I'm just tossing you a mm-hmm. softball for the first time we do it's, this. Right? I know, absolutely. <laughs> the easiest question you start with got. the easiest one. <laughs> okay, so first of all, let me just ask this and to kind of get you going. Okay, is a breakup with a narcissist different than a breakup with someone else? There, yes. It can be. It can it be. Can make it more complicated, harder, or yes. And some context here, or maybe disclaimer, is how how do we know this person is a narcissist is Get it there. is it how we feel in the relationship with them that leads you to go well whatever this this article says that if you're experiencing these things cuz there are tons of those out there mm-hmm. that you may be in a relationship with a narcissist or narcissistic boss or narcissistic parent blah 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 it's a buzzword right now yeah um so i guess that's the what i want to understand is is this how you, you feel like you're in, an, in a relationship with a narcissist. Do you know you're in a relationship with a narcissist? So how do we know that? You mentioned um, on maybe it was the first episode we did or it was this this one here, the DMS, which is, right? Is that oh, the, the DSM. DSM. The Diagnostic Criteria, yes, yeah, for clinical mental health disorders. First yeah. of all, is narcissism is a, or narcissistic personality disorder is a personality disorder. Right, so there are the mental illnesses impacting their ability to be in relationship with people, coworkers, Co- relation, yes. romantic, d- yes. regardless. Yeah, yeah. as it, a parent, yes. And in order to receive that diagnosis, you need to m- meet the diagnostic criteria. And um, so, however, there there is we can all have some narcissistic traits, right? So we can. We can all experience, I mean, it could be ego, right? You can talk about that way. Um, uh, uh, defense mechanism. Um, it could even be attachment wounds. So I'm not a expert on narcissistic personality disorder. And I do know that because of the readily available information out there on the internet and TikTok and social media, that we can go, oh, that sounds like what I'm experiencing. Therefore, my partner must be a narcissist. Mm-hmm. Or we need something to go, okay, this is why they're behaving in that way. And again, I think that's just a human thing to do, but it can also be um, misguided. Robert Greene's uh, inside of Laws of Human Nature, mm-hmm. he, he wrote, we are all narcissists, some mm-hmm. deeper on the spectrum mm-hmm. than others. 
basically functional. Um, and then deep would be the more toxic type of narcissist. It's, a, it's that, more of a fragmented, it's a fragmented sense of self that has a lot of early trauma associated. So these are zero to two or yeah. earlier wounds, or sorry, zero to five, but also way earlier wounds. Yeah, it's that developmental stage between whether it's zero to five or two mm -hmm. to five, whatever that stage is, that um, where self-esteem mm -hmm. isn't able to be developed, mm -hmm. right? So the... Um, like empathy, it wasn't given. Sure. Maybe. And mm -hmm. so. Or there's an inconsistent presence of an empathic response or that empathic response was based on the need of the parent or yeah. the caregiver, right? So um, like I said, I'm not an expert on this because I can't give you all the details of it. Um, I go read about it and then refresh my memory and, yeah, yeah. you know. Um, however, it's... Um, like if you are in a relationship with a true narcissist, you will always, always feel like no matter what you do, you are always the problem. Mm. You're always a problem. And, um, and the, the deflection to protect the ego, the self of the narcissist is so, um, uh, automatic at all costs. They cannot be, the problem or the source or the cause of, of the problem, mm -hmm. you know? Ever. And so ever. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and there's, and I, I say that though, I, I mean, people who are diagnosed with narcissistic personality disorder, I'll be clear, um, can, can, you know, experience some rehabilitation or, um, acknowledge that, that these early wounds exist. Right. Mm. So I do believe that the mind can regenerate that new neural pathways can be formed. So, I don't want to take like a generalized, you know, direction with that and say that the never can you ever experience it. But what tends to happen is narcissists pair up with more of a dependent personality, someone who is um, very much a helper, um, very uh, a feeler, um, uh, very compassionate. And all it takes is a little bit of the truth for that more dependent styled, you know, personality to then go, well, there's a little bit of the truth here. So maybe it was me. Right. And, and then that's the narrative is, is this isn't okay, but also like, what about all this over here? It was so great in the beginning and it was so um, magical and charming and they're so charismatic and, um, and command this, the attention. They look really, really good. You know, they're, um, and so the person who's experiencing the wounds from this other person is um, most likely going to go, you know what, maybe there was something I did or something wrong with me yeah. or, you know what I mean, like assume that responsibility and that blame until it's happened so many times that they go, wait, this, there's a pattern here. So the breakup... Back yeah, to the question, know, sort of. A, no, it's okay, because I, I think, I mean, obviously, there's a lot of other mm -hmm. layers to this kind of conversation, but for the sake of the question, the complication comes in the, into, the, into play when you're made to feel like it's always your fault, and to you, if you are kind-hearted, which could have been, um, you were the prey, so to speak, right? I mean... I'm not worried about the right terms here because yeah, I'm not okay. the therapist, but it's okay. you were, it was easier for someone to manip someone who might have those strong sure. tendencies sure. to manipulate mm -hmm. you because you are a helper or you care so much. Mm -hmm. And, 
so that can complicate it. Yeah, it's like the perfect storm in a way. So I wonder if like to help someone have that confidence of like, uh, hell no, <laughs> I'm not the problem. Mm-hmm. They are. I once heard this said, and you can tell me if this is even a good filter to use, which is you're good at that. Like saying, mm-hmm. yeah, that could be a good question to start asking. Sure. Right? I wonder if the question to ask would be, and I heard this from somewhere else, but the issues that are being brought mm-hmm. up only happen in the context of that relationship. Mm-hmm. So for instance, if let's say the, the person that is the problem, whether they're a narcissist or not, mm-hmm. is when you're with them, you're always the one who makes makes them feel like they're not good enough or mm-hmm. you're always the problem. But when you, you, you always have anger issues, you, sure. all these things, but you go into every other relationship, coworkers, sure. friends, and those, those you're are never present. You're not getting the same feedback. Right? You never get that same feedback. Is that sort of a good can filter be. to some, like a starting point of like, hey, wait a minute, this is an isolated, mm-hmm. and whether it's, whether I am the problem or not, this relationship brings this out Sure. in me is that a sure. good starting point yeah i think so i mean other other relationships or how you interact with the world aren't always I mean, they're not going to be the same as like the people that are closest to sure. you right it's yeah. you know our filters are just you know a little bit more active <laughs> when we're with people that we don't feel as close to um but i do think that's a that's one way of maybe being like moving into the observer in your life, right? Is to see like, is this happening in these isolated incidents or is it happening where I feel so isolated, you know, or what might be the feedback I'm getting from other people? Mm -hmm. And that just helps to kind of give you that observer uh, stance in your own life, right? And, And so how to get out of a relationship, how to break up with a narcissist or how to get out of a relationship with a narcissist? I think the question too here is, how did I get here? I mean, and, and that's a hard question to ask ourselves, right? Because just as we're feeling blamed, we're wanting to defend and, and find a reason that it's not our fault. Um, and I'm not saying it's our fault, but it takes two to tango, right? And so we pair up and we match up subconsciously with others that we can kind of like rehash this attachment style wound, whatever it is, with them. And um, And so I think asking the question of, Hmm. you know, how, how did I get here? Or, or what might, what's my role? What's my part? Not in a way to say what's the blame, but just like, just to really see yourself. And I think that's really the place to start. You said, uh, to move into this observer stance. Uh-huh. And I would, I would feel like if, if you were talking to me right now, I would have thought to myself, okay, one, I'm going to observe them Mm -hmm. and take inventory as I observe me. Yeah. One, does this align Mm -hmm. with what I know I want to build my life with? Like this is a pattern. This isn't just a one-off behavior, like slip up. Right. Then two, the, the observation without guilt and shame can be made on myself to say, is there something about me that is attracting Mm-hmm. this that I'm attracted to maybe sure. that type of person sure and or am I rushing into a relationship too fast like yeah. learning me in a relationship right. at the same time that observation yeah like being it become an observer sure I think is it's not the same you know whether you write them a letter or do it through text or call yeah. or do it face to face right is not the issue it's the how do you go through the process of yeah. 
maybe removing that person from your, your life. Yeah. And it's a hard one. I mean, it's, it's a hard one. And also I would say support, 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 Mm -hmm. right? So a place where you feel like you can really do that, that work and have that, um, you know, feedback as well. And, but I just want to say too, that like, because the word narcissist gets thrown around so much now that I do feel like I tread lightly on kind of answering these questions because I do think that if we all have the narcissist within us, right? Mm-hmm. Who was this that said that? Um, the guy you read a minute ago? Robert Green. Robert Green. Yeah. Um, then, I mean, we all have an ego. We all have a self, right? He said we're all on the spectrum of, um, of self-absorption. Uh, absolutely, right? Yeah. I mean, 80% of our, I, <laughs> I don't know the exact you know, statistic, but 80% of all of our interactions are all our own projection. A projection is what I'm seeing and feeling and thinking of experience and I'm pushing it out onto somebody else or the world around me, mm. right? And so without this skill of being able to step back and self-observe with compassion, <laughs> then I don't know that we have the capacity to really be in choice about whatever it is, our relationships, how we're impacting people, how they're impacting us. And so I think beginning there will give you the most opportunity for transformation, for change, for not continuing those patterns as well. Well, I think you, and I think you answered it great. I mean, the idea of, um, the narcissist being in the, a factor of a breakup, Mm -hmm. just the complication that that could bring is let's just, even though this doesn't do it justice, sure. like minimize it to, you might find yourself always giving them another chance because yes. you put the blame on yourself. Yeah. So being able to remove yourself from that stance mm-hmm. of being the one who is to blame. Yeah. Because you you have your part, but you're probably not to blame for it all. That, no, and nobody's no one, to blame for all of yeah. it, right? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So but, I think that's a good start, though. Yeah. I mean, like, I how else would you? <laughs> You I have mean, to know the more context to answer that better anyway. Right, and right, absolutely, yeah. Also, I would I would want to kind of close out talking, just closing it out on this, not expanding it too yeah. much, but it's just a term that's so loosely thrown around, yeah. and I always, you know, uh, I hear it a lot. I mean, mm-hmm. being back in the dating space, mm-hmm. it is, I can't, I would say 75 to 80% of the first dates that I've been on, they've said that an ex was a narcissist, mm-hmm. and I've always asked, like clinically, mm-hmm. he was diagnosed, mm-hmm. and the answer is, oh no, but he was. Hmm. And I think, like for me, what I find some um, sort of uh, solace in amidst this chaos of like sure. everyone's a narcissist, yeah, because otherwise it starts making me think, oh, shit, I am too. Right. There's some peace knowing we all have some tendencies of yeah. that are narcissist, yeah. you know, tendencies, right? Right. Um, and when ego meets ego, it absolutely feels like that as well. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. And so uh, to me, it's like, let's remember this is a clinical diagnosis that's required Mm -hmm. for this to actually be a disorder Mm -hmm. in the person. Otherwise you're just dealing with someone who hasn't fully matured even, you know, there's sure the self-esteem fully developed self-worth yeah or even just self-awareness right so if you have self-awareness and you're acting out in ways that are i don't know blaming or shaming to people it's likely that there's something within you that you haven't 
become aware of, right? That is becoming a projection or the pain that you're not acknowledging, you're suppressing. We act out in a, a like a, you know, scared and wounded in a way that is defensive and maybe cut off from people or can cause pain. That doesn't mean that we're a narcissist. It doesn't mean that we're mm-hmm. even narcissistic. It could be a, 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 um, you know, a, a connection, like there's a chaos in that connection, right? So that's a really, it's a big, big conversation. Yeah. <laughs> we will save more of it for and another one. The best thing I think anybody can do though for themselves is ask themselves where have I felt this before? And what does this remind me of? And right there in those moments, you have the here and now, you have an emotion, and you have memory most available to you to understand maybe what your part is or how you got here or you know where you can get back into more choice and control over how you're showing up. Perfect. I yeah. think that's a great spot to wrap it up for this episode. Gave you the easy one, Jessica. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of the Fight for Brilliance podcast. I hope you found that to be helpful. I'm so grateful for Jessica being willing to tackle these tough topics with me and have these conversations. If you want to connect with Jessica or with myself, you can do that by following Jessica on Instagram at Jess Pass Haskell. And you can also find that on the website. And you can find me on Instagram and social media using the handle at Keller Thinks. If you go to fightforbrilliance.com forward slash EP138, that's fightforbrilliance.com forward slash EP138. Makes it easy to get more information, share the episode, and find ways to connect with us as well. And lastly, if you have not rated or reviewed or subscribed to the show, please do so. That would mean a lot. Appreciate all of those who have already, especially those who are taking the time to leave reviews. I love hearing your feedback. You can even email me feedback if you want directly, justin at fightforbrilliance.com. And love to hear from you. You can submit questions for Jessica in these segments on the website, fightforbrilliance.com as well. So I'm going to leave you today with a challenge, and that is simply choose to fight for brilliance in every area of your life this week.